Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We're so glad you could join us at our brand new time. We've been at 1215 for the last year or so, and now uh, we are here with you bright and early in the morning, 8 o'clock, and in the studio today, I have, I'm not going to forget, I'm not going to leave you for last mentioned this morning, Phil. It is oh, Phil, you. Pastor Phil Moran in the studio. Thank you so much. Good to be here. <laughs> um, Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Russ are, um, well, Pastor Jonathan is recovering from his surgery. Please continue to pray for him. And Pastor Russ is on a much needed vacation. So in the studio, we have uh, Pastor Matt Marino. Brother, how are you doing today? Very good. Good to be here. And where are you at right now? Well, preaching at Dayspring, uh, filling in for Jonathan and... Um, getting a lot of uh, fruit, even myself, from preaching through the things that I am there. So it's great. Awesome. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Pastor Matt was um, one of the ones that, uh, well, the main human instrument that brought me into the ministry um, here, man, nine years ago now. It's been a, yeah. been a long time. Preaching through Galatians at the time. Yeah. I remember our first conversations. Yeah. Well, I, I just got to share this real quick. So I was kind of coming out of um, just kind of a, a church tradition that was like what we talked about before, karaoke on and a TED talk, and um, I was just I was starving in my soul. I mean, and I don't mean that from a I didn't mean that statement from kind of any kind of self righteous attitude. But the the word of God is meant to be preached in the church, and right. I was in a church where the word of God was not being preached. And I remembered I found the podcast for the well, and it was uh, I think through Nine Marks Church Locator, and then I found the podcast, and I only heard literally like less than five minutes of you preaching through Galatians. And I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what my soul needs. I mean, there was there was a mixture of of passion and like just you were explaining the Bible. It's kind of amazing. If you just explain the Bible and teach it and preach the gospel, that's what the church needs. That's what my soul needed. Mm-hmm. And instantly, I mean I never met you before. I didn't know what the church was and that's what sold me right away was just gospel preaching. Because the gospel is the power awesome. of God. Amen. Okay, so we've been looking at uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, the premise of this show is that the gospel is for life. It's not just for getting you into the kingdom of God. It is for that. It's gloriously for that. But it's also for sustaining you all the way to the end. Jesus um, spoke through Paul in, in Philippians where he said, He who began a good work in you will see it completed until the day of Christ Jesus. And it's the gospel that keeps us in the hand of God. So... We've been looking at chapters 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and we've been looking at how Paul has been presenting the Corinthians with the particular problem that they had, and then he shows them how the gospel is the solution. So now we're in 1 Corinthians 5. Phil, what's going on in 1 Corinthians 5? Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, Paul begins to deal with um, some sexual sin that's going on in the Corinthian church. And um, there's a, uh, if you, at the beginning of chapter five, he says it is actually 
reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among the pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Apparently, uh, a man is uh, living, in an <clears throat> living in an immoral relationship with his stepmother. And, um, but it's really interesting. If you read chapter 5 carefully, yes, I mean, Paul is concerned with this sexual sin. Uh, but let's not miss the forest for the trees and what Paul is really getting at in chapter 5. Paul's real problem with the church and what, what, what he's challenging, challenging them about is not just the sexual sin. Because let's face it, uh, brothers, uh, sexual sin is rather ordinary and boring and dreary. Uh, there's nothing unique or creative about it. It's always been with us. It's going to be with us until Christ returns to restore all things. Paul takes the Corinthian church to the woodshed not simply because they're sexual sin, but because they're tolerating it. And they apparently think that they are advanced and sophisticated and uh, that they are, that there's something good about the fact that they're tolerating it and they're even boasting in their tolerance. That sounds so modern. It is very modern. This could be, this, this could be right out of today's, headline and right out of branches of today's church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he says in verse six, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, cleanse out the old leaven? What he's challenging them about is that they're, they think they're advanced and they're tolerant. They're not exercising proper discipline. They're actually not being loving toward this individual and uh, his partner in sin. So we're, we're in a, it's so fascinating because we're in a place in culture today where if you practice church discipline, then you're the one who's arrogant. That's right. And if you don't practice church discipline, then you're loving and humble and kind. Right. Yeah. And you use the word sophisticated, tolerant. Again, every problem we see here unfolded throughout the rest of the book is rooted back in chapter one. We talked about the wisdom, that contrast. They're arrogant because they think they're wiser than God. I always saw this, oh, they, we're going to be kinder than God. And that's in play, too. They think they're wiser than God. Yes. When, you, when you talk about the, the cultural aspect, I, I know exactly where you're going with that. And, and not just in local churches, but, uh, you know, denominations, groups have disciplinary powers over false teachers, uh, maybe conferences that shouldn't be happening, just hypothetically. Um, and so I, I, they think they're wiser than God to make, um, a, you know, well— Sexual morality is not this, it, it's that. And, and by making it that, that lower bar, we're going to share Christ with more people. We're going to make, you know, why do we have to do this? They're trying to be wiser than God. Right. Yeah. And now, do you guys think that's why Paul called them arrogant? Yeah. And, and not this, that there's only one answer. Maybe there's right, multiple answers right. for it. But Well, and, and this is a theme that's been going on throughout the letter, right, is their pridefulness. Yeah. Uh, the pridefulness was the source of their party spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pridefulness was the source of their uh, denigrating Paul and that uh, you know, his gifts as a, as a speaker were not you know, up to their level of what they perceived as their sophistication. Mm-hmm. And now it's their pridefulness as it relates to their, their tolerance, which they see as advanced and sophisticated. They're tolerant. And I, uh, I love what Matt just said. They think they're wiser than God. They know more than God. 
Uh, and Paul's answer to each one of these, Paul sees it as growing out of their pride, and his solution to that, his, his challenge to that is the gospel. Yes. Which cuts off pride at the knees. Yes. Uh, remind, you know, the gospel is about total help for total need. I wasn't sick in my sins. I wasn't running a fever in my sins. I was dead in my trespasses and sins when Christ called me to himself. And that's what Paul keeps bringing them back to, uh, to, to let the air out of their pride balloon. And not even just let the air out, pop the darn thing. Do you think it'd be an overstatement to say that they were trying to be in, innovative in doing church? Uh, yeah, and Do you think that's an overstatement? One way or another, um, it, it, more relevant to their culture is a form of innovation. Um, and I can even see them saying, no, 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 I'm not saying I'm wiser than God with respect to the gospel and doctrine. I'm just saying we're, we're wiser than him with respect to sexuality or something like that. Now, they wouldn't say that in so many words, and people in our culture maybe wouldn't say that in so many words. But I think Paul's response would be, no, that actually contradicts the gospel, because at the heart of this passage, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. You might think, where does that come into this? Well, it's at least a dimension of the gospel that has to do with purity, and what's the historical event? It's the exodus. I think it's interesting that there was a ministry, and I don't know if they still exist, uh, that was called Christian Exodus. Exodus Exodus International. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, and, And I don't know what the genesis of their name and why they came up with it, but... It is interesting that here in the midst of this discipline case for a sexual sin, Christ as our Passover lamb that was put there to pay for the exodus to leave from that house of bondage, that maybe sexual bondage would be included. I think it would include every bondage mm-hmm. that, that he's delivering us from. And so how does how does this form of sexuality contradict the gospel? Because it contradicts the exodus, and Christ is the ultimate um, payment for the exodus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this touches... A- does this touch a little bit on, on what we what theologians call antinomianism, where antinomianism basically says, now that I'm saved, God doesn't care the way in which I live? Um, sure. How does Paul <coughs> connect the gospel to the way the importance of how we live? I mean, you guys, do you guys think that's a, there's a connection there? Well, there's definitely a connection. Um, and, and here he's, he's going to do that in various ways. How we live freely, he's going to go on to talk about that in marriage or your identity in general. But certainly as he gets to identity in, in seven and freedom and so on, um, it has to at least address, um, you know, sins like this, uh, sexual sins, our, our identity. Is, is that my identity, gay, Christian, or, or whatever else we want to make allowance for? Or is my identity in Christ? And, and I've even heard it argued that identity in Christ as a, as a means of, uh, I won't get too controversial here, but as a means of uh, softening up and so, uh, that whole thing and saying, well, no, you can be a gay Christian because your ultimate identity is in Christ. Um, I, I've even heard that from prominent um, teachers. But, mm-hmm. but that's, that's contrary to what Paul's saying here. Yeah. He's saying that you now ought to live like what you are. You are this, therefore live like this. So, you know. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I would throw in there, we have nothing to boast about. I can't sit here and say, well, I'm a straight Christian. Right. Mm-hmm. So what? Yeah. Right. You can take straight to God's bank and not even get a pack of gum. Yeah. Uh, the, my identity is in Christ yeah. and, in, and in Christ alone. And that's where Paul wants to take us to with these with these, sophisticated, with these sophisticates who think themselves sophisticated in the Corinthian church. And by the way, while we're bashing on the Corinthians, 
Um, <laughs> it occurs to me that, oh my word, you know, the church, this is the first century, the church is wet cement. Yeah. You know, this has never been done before. And Paul is, you know, he's pioneering things that have, that have you know, the church is still wet behind the ears. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, can, we can look back at them and say, boy, that church was certainly goofed up. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> the church is still very human, and that's, you know, praise God we still have this book. But what an amazing ministry the Apostle Paul had to plant these churches in Greek culture, surrounded by a hostile culture, yeah. and then nurture these churches. Uh, what an amazing and precious gift this book is. Yeah. You know, and Paul, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the connection between this event in 1 Corinthians 5 and what we see and what we speculate in 2 Corinthians, this man did repent, it seems. Yes. Yeah. And it seems that then even then, Paul had to remind them of the gospel to bring that man to bring him back. back in. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the beautiful thing about the gospel. The gospel is not, okay, now that you're a Christian, you need to keep yourself clean in order to um, stay in, in Jesus' good graces. What you said, Paul, or what you said, Matt, is, is look, this is who you are. Now be who you are. Mm-hmm. Be, and that's how he grounds his whole argument. Christ, the Passover lamb, has already been sacrificed for you. Purge the sin out. Right. Um, don't live like that. And and don't mishear anything we're saying. The very first thing that, that Luther said in the 95 Theses is that the Christian life is a life of continual repentance. So we're not saying that, and neither is Paul saying that, that once you're a Christian, you reach this place of not having to sin anymore. The point is, is that this church stopped repenting. Right. It, it's, it's not that Paul was uh, rebuking them because – um, he, they didn't live up to some sort of pharisaical expectation. They stopped repenting for sin mm-hmm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. Uh, we hope that you continue to tune in. If you've missed any of our past broadcasts, just subscribe to the podcast. Just make sure you type in The Gospel for Life. And we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. 